0: welcome to room at the table an opportunity for you to join me betsy Cerulo, and my guests for conversations about creating equitable and inclusive workplaces where leaders rise above mediocrity and our teams thrive pull up a chair there's always room at the table welcome to another meaningful conversation on room at the table I am Betsy Cerullo, your host, and welcome to my guests today, Ashley Brundage, who is a leadership and empowerment expert, author of Empowering Differences, and creator of Voyage of Empowerment Conference with the next cruise dates in September 2023. Ashley started with PNC Bank in 2011 and rose to the ranks to hold the role of a Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion before she left to focus on her company, Empowering Differences. Ashley is an award-winning speaker from the transgender community who has overcome many obstacles including homelessness as she blazed open doors and carved her own path inside and outside of the LGBTQ community. Ashley's book, Empowering Differences, offers valuable tools for corporate cultures, as well as, I believe, to be a must-read for a high school or college curriculum. She is able to answer questions, fears, and myths about the transgender community in an embracing manner. Our other guest, Ann Stoner, is a past board member of PFLAG in Carroll County, Maryland. She is the mother of a beautiful and creative trans daughter, Daisy. Anne is an HR consultant with Adnet AccountNet, bringing her fierce commitment to allyship to our work culture. Today, we are talking about the courageous journey of our transgender community and those whom we love and protect. So pull up a chair, enjoy your favorite beverage, and let's get started. So welcome. Welcome. I have been so excited to have this conversation, to have both of you share about your experiences. You know, I know we're having a conversation about the trans community but about leadership, about love, Mm. and about supporting supporting everyone. Uh, But obviously me being in the LGBTQ community, it's, it's passionate for me to see that everybody has a voice. So I wanna get started first, Ashley. Can you briefly share with us what inspired you to write Empowering Differences? (laughs)
1: Well, first, I want to say thank you so much for having me here. And I feel like that you should read my introduction everywhere (laughs) I go on the Empowerment (laughs) Roadshow. So can you come on the Voyage of Empowerment just to do my introduction for everybody? I would go anywhere (laughs) with you. I'll take you into the ship captain uh, uh, <laughs> section and, and you know how it goes ding, ding, ding. And then like literally <laughs> you, you'll just start speaking to everyone on the ship in the morning, it. reading my bike <laughs> can, can we do that please? Cause that sounds like that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> you
0: never know where I may show up in September.
1: Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, I, I, Everybody kept asking me, they said, Ashley, how was it that you went from part-time bank teller to become the national vice president of diversity and inclusion in four years? And so everybody kept saying, hey, can you like, can you, can you like tell us how you did that? And and I said, well, I mean, I empowered all of my differences. (laughs) It wasn't just about my status as a transgender person, a woman of trans experience. It was about empowerment of every single difference that I have, had to build a strategy for each thing that made me who I am. There are 8 billion different people on this planet. And if everyone centered into having a plan to drive empowerment for each of their differences, our physical abilities, our attributes, our social economic class, all of these things uh, impact our experience and how we connect with other humans. So, why not have an empowerment strategy for each of those things? And so that's kind of what my, uh, well, so the book was the first iteration of this, and I've created it as a workbook, as a leadership course, as an empowerment tracking tool digitally where people come and I can actually measure how empowered they are for their differences. It's grown to be so much more because there was such a need. So many people were wanting to be able to have guidance on an empowerment journey. And that's what prompted me to write this book.
0: (laughs) What would you say in your journey, because there was a point that you were homeless. What would you say was, I'll do twofold, the biggest challenge for you and the part that you're most proud of?
1: Mm. I mean, I think the biggest challenge was hiding that from my kids, Like they had no idea that we were even homeless. (laughs) I mean, I had a conversation with my youngest and he said, you know, you, you, I heard you say that we were homeless. I said, yeah. He's like, I didn't even know that. And I said, yeah, that's because as a parent, I shielded that from you. You had no idea you know, it was really strategic. We were like squatting illegally in houses. And, and, and then when we knew that someone was coming to check on the house, we would be out of the house. <laughs> so uh, we would go out for dinner or go to friends' houses or go somewhere to the community and, and figure out where we could be while they were there, scoping to see if anybody was living there. <laughs> That was the hardest thing was hiding that and and not exposing my kids to that so that way they didn't they didn't have any he didn't have any idea. Um, and then what was the other half of the question?
0: What are you most proud of on your journey? I,
1: I'm well, I'd probably say probably the the connection that I still have to my kids. Like I always was fearful that transitioning would would make me the parent that none of my kids ever wanted to talk to. And I was so afraid that I would never have a relationship with them. And my relationship with them has only gotten stronger every day. Um, and while they've known me more of my life as my authentic self, they still know that mm-hmm. that there was a transition and that there was a change. Uh, but Every day our relationship has gotten better because I got better as a human. I got, I increased the things I with our relationship. I increased the things to help me be a better person. So that, that way our relationship would always improve. Not living a double life any longer and living one life and being authentic allowed me to increase empathy and increase emotional intelligence and increase awareness So that way I could be a better human. And that's what helped me along this Mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm.
0: Now you have two sons, correct? Yes. How old are they now?
1: Um, So they're almost 16 and almost 18. So I have two high schoolers finishing up high school now.
0: Wow. You know, it's interesting because um, one of my granddaughters is 17 and she was just in a play uh, last month and it, there was a lot of intersectionality with the characters in the play that, uh, they did Mamma Mia and you would think one character was, you know, female, but, a, uh, a male would play it and, and vice versa. And there were quite a number of her friends in the play who were trans. And I thought, boy, you know, we have come a long way. And it was, and it was so prideful and she was so excited. So, um, how do your, how do your kids in school? Cause you know, sometimes now kids are wonderful and kids are also cruel. How do they, what do they encounter with this amazing mom? <laughs> um,
1: well, I guess it really depends on which one you ask because, <laughs> <laughs> One of my, uh, my oldest uh, son goes to a deeply Christian faith-based uh, camp, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and um, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of belonging and welcomingness and inclusive f- nature for me to be anywhere near the campus, so I really try to stay away um, and give him the space because that's what he prefers, mm-hmm. and um, and that's, made, that's what makes our relationship stronger. Okay. Um, you know sadly you know I don't get to be there for every single thing um, but he knows that I I'm always available and I'm I'm always there for him and you know we connect on in different ways um, but for my youngest yeah, I'm there picking him up from school every 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 once in a while every few days and um, you know and he doesn't have you know he doesn't care I mean it's just part of um, you know Part of who who we are and everything, and yeah, it's 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 really great, and uh, that I get to you know be a part of all the things that he does. But you know, it's give and take, um, and that's you have to you can't just you can't just parent kids one way for all kids, just like you can't manage employees one yeah, way for all employees. All you Have to get to know the people, and you have to build a strategy that works best for how you're going to communicate and partner with them.
0: Right. Hmm. Well, you know, I think that's a perfect segue for you, Anne, as a parent. How has that journey been for you with Daisy and her evolution?
2: You know, I I sort of think the universe kind of aligned the planets for us. I became a member of P Flag not because I, at the time, thought I had a gay son. I became a member of PFLAG because I worked in the school system, and I lo- saw just a ton of gender stereotyping at the elementary level. And because I wanted to advocate for kids, and you know, there's strength in numbers, the board just wasn't listening to little old me. So I contacted PFLAG, which was the only LGBTQ plus advocacy organization in our county, and we went to work with the school system and through PFLAG, I met a lot of very successful, very happy trans folks. And I also met some trans folks that had some very, very tragic stories. So when I found out that I had not two daughters, but three daughters, I was able to breathe a little bit and not be uh, so fear-based, which I think happens to a lot of um, a lot of families. I also, I think, was helpful. I didn't really have a religious um, conflict, which you know I can't imagine what that's like, but there was no religious conflict for us. We really, uh, you know, Daisy. Daisy's Daisy, and uh, the inner soul of someone, the inner core of someone, the personality of someone doesn't really change because of their outward appearance. Um, well, that may not be true when they when they are their authentic self, they become happier. <laughs> so um, that that does that does change. We're, we're just lucky. We have, we have three kids. I have a husband that is very supportive and we're very open in our family. We ask questions. We're not allowed to, we're not afraid to ask what might be difficult questions. If you dance around the subject, then you never get that relief you're looking for. And, you know, I always say people are who they say they are.
0: You know, I remember the first time that I told my mom I was gay when I was in college and um, she drove down from New Jersey to D.C. to have this conversation with me. And the first, you know, when you first say something, immediately it felt like so much was lifted off my shoulders and she went into Denial mode, you know. Just come home this summer. We'll work this through. It's a phase, and you know, typically that was customary back in the nineteen eighties. So I'm I'm curious for for both of you on your journey. When um, actually, let me let me go to you first. So when you first knew that you you wanted to make the transition to live your authentic self, when you first communicated it what kind of experience what what happened
1: <laughs> um well uh, there's a lot of layers to this onion <laughs> um, because first i didn't know how or what to communicate um well actually the first layer was that i i thought uh, i knew something wasn't right when i was 17 in the 90s and i um, was trying to figure out what was wrong with me as I was going through puberty and my body was now becoming more masculine and my body was very feminine. Um, something was really wrong and I, and I just didn't understand. And, um, and I actually had a conversation with my brother who was, you know, he saw me like as me, right? And, and his reaction was, um, why is it that you want to be like that? And, and I said, well, I identify that this way and I want to be, I really want to be a mom and I have all these maternal instincts to want to have kids and take care of kids. And he said, well, then why don't you just get married and have kids? (laughs) Um, And so that actually kind of hid me in the closet for 11 years successfully (laughs) until I reached a breaking point because I wasn't living authentically. Um, And, and then a lack, and if not for that, I would have probably never had kids. Um, So then coming out 11 years, starting the process of coming out like 11 years later, I didn't know how I was going to do that and how I was going to consolidate the lives. Um, So that was really the hardest thing and um, and not knowing what to say at all. And I was very cowardice in nature a lot because I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I knew I just couldn't live anymore like the way I was. And I didn't know that even transitioning was an option. You know, because I was so afraid of losing my kids. Um, you know, there's just so much fear involved in that, and um, you know, so I lived a double life. I mean, that was literally kind of my solution. And then eventually, it all blew up, and I and and, and I had to come out and say what happened. And, and my my ex um, at the time was, you know, initially, you know, let's break up, let's not be together, and then and then we ended up. Um, separating for a little bit, and then we got back together, and then we tried to figure out how to coexist. And so we actually successfully coexisted for about 12 more years back, past that point um, until last year when we got divorced. So, so I think we did a pretty good job. Obviously, I improved as a as a human with more emotional intelligence, and and we coexisted and. Um, but for f- immediate family, right, is a different response for every stakeholder group, really, if you think about it. Um, because my sister was my person and still is. And she was the first person I told. And she thought that I was going to tell her that I was dying because I had been losing so much weight. Uh, because with each pound that went off I felt I looked more feminine so I was like oh well let me just lose a bunch of weight that's going to help my appearance and help me fit into clothes because <laughs> it's hard to find clothes if you're not if you don't fit into smaller sizes shocking things that that are that are barriers that you don't even realize uh, and then my mom conversation with her was like really impactful and she took it so hard thinking about, what does she do wrong? Did she drop me too many times? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and she was just distraught, like biting off all of her fingernails and cuticles. And it was rough for a couple of weeks. And then finally, my sister went to her and said, listen, right now, <laughs> you, you you have two daughters. <laughs> when and then my sister was uh leaving town to go back to where she lives in thailand and she and so she she told her she said you can either have two daughters or you can have no daughters (laughs) and and then my mom was like oh okay and then like the next like couple days later she apologized she was like i just i just i hate to see you cease be living so upset and and you know and And so that was really probably the most impactful um, situation around coming out, and and, uh, yeah, it was it was it was amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Multi layered (laughs) onion. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, Anne, would you are you willing to share how it was for you when Daisy started to share with you her changes, her feelings?
2: Sure, Uh, Daisy went to college in Chicago and you know we we just had a sense that things just weren't going in the direction that we had expected we just knew there were some things that perhaps she was wrestling with that we weren't truly aware of and um, when she she finally told us we were sort of i think there was some relief because now we have an answer to why we felt there there might be something going on and i'm and i'm sure you know that was wrestling with coming to terms and recognizing who she truly was to herself and then having the the courage to share it with others and then there's there's sort of a coming out for parents too, for the for the family, um, because we all want to share stories about our kids. And you know, when when you get together with couples at a restaurant to dinner for dinner, and they say, "So how's the family?" Well, I want to talk openly and honestly about all of my wonderful kids and what they're doing, and who they're dating, and where they're living, and all those things. And you know, they're there are some people that sort of don't understand and I just kind of tell them it's, it's okay that you don't understand. And there are some people that, you know, maybe we're not as close as we thought we once were with. And there are some folks that we've actually gotten closer with or have surprised us with their welcoming opening arms. You know, they, um, they like the Stoner family, and they know if they don't accept all of us, you know. I can I can remember. In fact, it was we we traditionally have a big Christmas Eve party, and um, Daisy was a little concerned, you know, because sort of the world would come into our house. And Daisy had pulled me aside and expressed that you know she was a little concerned about how people were going to receive her, and. Um, I said, look, they know whose house they're coming to, and they know if they disrespect anybody in their house, in this house, you know, they're out. No one is going to come into our house and be disrespectful. And um, it was, you know, we were living in a very conservative community. We were sort of the oddballs. As a family, not because of anyone being transgender, but um, it it was just, just amazing how, um, how receptive folks were. And we leave ourselves open to questions. You know, I get together with my girlfriends, they pull me aside, ask me a question. And I might say, you yeah, know, I don't really know. I'll ask Daisy. <laughs> because I don't want to speak for someone else's experience. It's not my experience. I'm simply having the experience of a mother. I, you know, and and on that note, people that always say, "Oh my God, you're such a good mother," because I accept and love my daughter. That's what you're supposed to do. I'm a good mother because I made uh their lunches for <laughs> the entire time they were in school. That's what makes me a good mother, loving your kids. You're supposed to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I can tell you that over, especially the past couple of years with, with our granddaughter, and she sometimes would ask us questions. Um, or if I didn't know something, she would say, cause she knows I'm, um, co-founder of the Maryland LGBT Chamber of Commerce and very active in the community. And if I don't know some, she'll say, Nona, you're supposed to know that. I'm like, well, that's what I have you for. (laughs) I go and ask questions because, you know, I found that especially when I got active with National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce and all these, you know, it was like when I went to my first conference, like, oh my God, where has this been? To be able to do business that way with people who, We're having similar lives and meeting so many amazing people in every acronym of the community. I would ask questions because there were some things that were new for me, but to sit and listen to people's journeys and especially in the trans community and the courage. And I would just, you know, whenever I would be around someone who was just, just plain ignorant and I would think to myself, you are such a wimp because you have no idea the courage that the community as a whole has but especially everything that the trans community continues to still walk through and how dare you judge or or make a joke so you know if that was 15 years ago i may not have had the kahunas to say it that way but now where i'm at in my career when i'm around a customer Rarely is a customer. My customers are awesome, but once in a while we'll have one of the contract employees or or someone over the years in the in the corporate side that would say something, you know, unevolved. And I take them in another room and say, "Look, you can't say that. Let me tell you why. That's just wrong, and it's ignorant." And and they're like, "Oh, okay. I just didn't think." And what you need to think. You need to think and you need to imagine the, the the nasty comments that you're posing at this person that may be on your team that you don't understand their choices. How would you feel if that was your daughter, your son, or a grandchild? How would you react then? And then all of a sudden that you get the they sink in the chair. You're right. And I said, Well, that's now when you're, you know, sitting around a, a poker table and you're and you're poker buddies or your drinking buddies are making comments, stop and think as they're pointing to somebody and making a stupid comment, that was my kid. How would I feel? And, and that when I've come to that approach in the LGBTQ community, people have been like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Even with, um, even with sexual harassment, when, 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 just going to say, you know, when when I've been around uh, businessmen that have made again ignorant comments, I'll say, okay, how would you feel if so and so over there was was making that comment towards your daughter? How would you feel? Oh, I'd go and I'd kick his ass. Well, then don't laugh at the joke. So anyway, I'm sorry. Kind of went off on a tangent on that because I I just get really sick and tired of when I hear people make judgments about our community. And about people that I treasure and I look up to, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful that there's people like you and we all know so many more that are out there just interrupting the behavior.
2: Well, I I would really like to say thank you to Ashley and, and women like Ashley that are unafraid to be who they are, because if you aren't in the public eye then when a mother or a father finds out that their child is trans they don't have any evidence of happiness in the trans trans community unless trans people are leading happy lives if if all we see is what we hear on the news then i mean it's terif- it can be terrifying to to be a, a parent of a trans child because you're only as happy as your unhappiest child right and if you're chi- if you think that your child is in danger all of the time well <laughs> where's that where's that leave you but but I also, you know, applaud the courageous people like yourself, Betsy, who are going to interrupt the conversation and say, yeah, I don't really think that joke is very funny. And here's why. My husband has been a coach for most of his adult life. And, you know, I mean, I was the member of flag. I, you know, marched in a parade and, you know, things like that lobbied. But My husband is the the quiet advocate. He's going to pull that kid aside and say, look, that's not a funny thing. You just offended me. And here's why. And then when they hear, oh, Coach Mike is okay with all that stuff. Maybe, maybe I could start to wrap my head around it or maybe not just be a jerk about it.
0: Yeah, it's true. It's true. In, Ashley, in, in all your travels, the so many different people that you've talked to for, you know, what, whatever the venue is. You probably have, but what has it felt like when you've been in the presence of an individual who is closed-minded, and you've walked away from that conversation, and you felt their heart open?
1: um nine countries last year um and uh three so far this year with many more to come i have to tell you people people will all disagree um but the most amount of disagreements and uh unrespect is located right here in america sadly and it's really sad uh to see that and the biggest thing I try to do is to liken it to something else and help them understand as much as I can. You know, and I've, in the span of six months last year, I consulted for the Joe Biden White House on an empowerment task force. <laughs> and then I won an award from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. <laughs> so. If I can sit here every day and tell people that empowerment is apolitical and it's a way that we can build connection between all humans and then prove it, point and mm-hmm. proof point after proof point after proof point, yeah. empower employees produce at an 86% rate comparatively speaking to non empowered employees. The Dartmouth Tuck School of Business says mm-hmm. the number two issue that businesses face is not empowering their employees. So I'm here to tell you that regardless of all of our differences, we have to be able to find empowerment to move the needle forward, to produce more positive business Results, And I hate to break it to you, but at the end of the day, the people who see positive business results on the bottom line of their paycheck and their shareholder price and everything else that they do in getting more contracts, they don't give a crap about who you are or who you love or how you dress or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. you show somebody some more money, I guarantee you, you will change their perspective and they will be like, oh, well. I want, I want some of that. I want some of that empowerment, mm-hmm. Ashley T. Brundage. I'm ready for that. So let's do it. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that it was over the past, uh, definitely over the past 10 years, maybe over the past seven years, there were a couple customers that we had that were just downright a-holes. They just were. And the inappropriate com- comments of, I'll go across, across the, her, the spectrum of anything that you could attack, they would. And I felt so good when I picked up the phone and called that CEO and said, I'm firing you. And she was, what do you mean? I said, you don't get to treat my contract employees this way, and you don't get to treat the people that started on temporary jobs and went permanent that way. You as a woman should be so ashamed of yourself, and I don't want to be associated with you. So when I started to do that with customers, my employees were like, wow, they got empowered because they they felt that, you know, I was putting the stake in the ground. I'm not taking that anymore. And I felt that in losing some of the business, we gained tenfold because it was almost like I cleared the space of the toxicity and attracted the customers that totally got it. And the customers that we have today are amazing. And that's because not just me, but the culture stands up and says, nope, you don't get to treat somebody that way. So you're right. It goes, empowerment goes right to the bottom line in a positive way. <laughs> there you go, Han, as they'd say in Maryland. <laughs> so I know we have to wrap up here. So in closing, and I'm going to start with you. Tell me, going forward, is there anything that you would continue to do or do different as an advocate in the community to make, to open up, to open up one mind? What would you do different or keep doing?
2: I think I'd keep having conversations. I think I would keep making space for the uninformed, the questioning, the fearful, to get a vocabulary lesson and um once they hear of i think a positive experience or or the possibility of a positive experience um once they know the proper language and i certainly am no expert i mean uh I have, I have heard, Mom, you're a bad ally. You don't know that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but teach me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think just um, and, and creating normalcy around the conversation. It's not taboo. Right. This is not taboo. We're just talking about people. Trans people, gay people have been around forever. Stop pretending that you haven't been around forever, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that's, you know, that's not changing. So just, I think, really creating a safe space for the uninformed or the, um, the person maybe that wants to be supportive but doesn't know how to be. Because some people are jerks. Yeah. And once they have the information they'll continue to be a jerk. But mm-hmm. some people are so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing that they don't say anything at all and mm-hmm. they live in their bubble of of ignorance and and don't know really how to advocate for them, them themselves yeah. and get the information they desire. Yeah. Now that's what I would continue to do.
0: Thank you. You'd
2: have to ask Daisy on what I should stop doing. <laughs> <laughs> and my other two kids, you know, I'm sure there's a list.
0: <laughs> Ash, how about you?
1: What are we doing? Stop, start, continue? Here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> how would you, I mean, I, you, you, do you do it all the time, but is there, because I want our, our, I want our listeners to hear this and maybe think, ah, maybe I should try that tomorrow to change someone's perspective.
1: Um, something specifically to do to change someone's perspective. I mean, you have to give them the data, um, you know, oftentimes we like to tell people the emotional side of what's going on and how it affects you. Right. I said, I overcame harassment, discrimination and homelessness, but it's not until I start talking about the fact that there are 2 million, more than 2 million transgender people who live in the United States. And I put an economic output number to it, right? Like the $1.7 trillion buying power of the LGBT business community, mm-hmm. right? And then, then I say, it's the 10th largest economy in the world, bigger than Russia, right? Mm-hmm. And people are like, what, really? You know, and I talk about uh, annual buying power of, you know, more than a billion dollars and from consumer goods. And, you know, and, and I think that you have to do that, Um you have to talk about those numbers and you can talk about those numbers in relation to any one of your differences, not just your right. gender. Um, because LGBTQ people go across all the same spheres of the 10 most common differences we have as humans. Um, when I was trying to empower my differences, uh, really my social economic class and my educational background having dropped out of high school was really the barrier for me to a barrier to entry to find employment. Um, Yeah, of course, I was still trying to interview with companies and trying to get them to hire a a proud out woman of transgender experience when they had never even heard of that um, and what that was like. But it was talking about the economic impact. It was talking about the business model. That empowerment is leveraging of all impacts and change. And so if you aren't able to encapsulate what that is and communicate it to people and communicate it in a manner that they listen, is that they're threatened. Like I know the other thing that we kind of skirted on is, is the fact that there is this there's this cancel culture thing that exists. <laughs> and I love to call it council culture <laughs> because you have the ability to share some empowering data with that person and you can change their perspective this way. I tell you it will yeah. work. Just have to try it, does. it.
0: It does. Well, I thank you both. Uh, you are both just courageous in your work and advocacy, the difference that you make, especially the difference that you make in a workplace. Because I'm determined to every workplace that we touch it it, it we walk away with it being a little bit better. So, I just want to thank you both for having this conversation today and for for bringing your heart out to the conversation so thank you so much
2: for being here thanks for creating space for it it's an important absolutely. conversation
0: absolutely
1: always glad to join you on any empowerment journey <laughs> i know can't wait to see
0: you at nglcc in august
1: yes i'll be there
0: nice to meet you ashley
1: great to meet you as well okay
0: thank you Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please follow Room at the Table on your favorite platform and share with a colleague, or two, or three. You can find the full transcripts, links, and more resources to creating more equitable workplaces at Room at the Table This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.